Real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast, be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is a U.S. Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author with over 100,000 students in over 180 countries enrolled in his online courses. He hosts three podcasts and several evergreen virtual summits where he teaches people how to grow their businesses and achieve personal transformations. He coaches authors, speakers, coaches, and business owners on how they can attract more traffic to their content and boost revenue. Welcome, Mark Guberti. Did I pronounce that right? You got it. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Well, can you tell the listeners a little bit of your background and your story for anyone who may not be familiar with you? Sure. So I started the blog at 11 years old. It was about the Boston Red Sox because I'm a New Yorker and I'm a Red Sox fan and those two things do not mix. So the blog was a way for me to connect with other Red Sox fans. Little did I know this would turn into content marketing later on because I just enjoyed writing the blog posts. I enjoyed interacting with people and I enjoyed creating that possibility for others. So I went into content marketing and that expanded into the Breakthrough Success podcast, my books, my courses and everything that I've done to date. Wow. Now, how, if you don't mind my asking, how old are you now? 22. Okay. Yeah. I figured you were young, but I wasn't sure how young. I know that you self-publish a lot of books and and you podcast. I'm curious if you had to pick just one, which would you pick? Like if you had to pick one to do for the rest of your life? If I only had one, I'd definitely pick the podcasting. I really enjoyed the conversation and it does a lot for growing the business. Like you want to view something that you do for businesses. How can it help you grow your business? And I really do enjoy the podcasting element and it really makes networking so much easier. Yeah, I agree with that. And I know you've had a lot of guests on like big name guests like John Lee Dumas, Seth Godin, Neil Patel, Perry Marshall, James Clear. So how do you score those big name guests? When you're just starting a podcast, you just get episodes out. Just get people on your show. But when you do eventually want to go after the big names, you have to build relationships with them in advance. So even before you ask them, start planting the seed. Look at where they're active on social media and start engaging with them. Like their stuff, but more importantly, comment on their stuff. Because if this is a person who's getting hundreds of thousands of likes for their posts, even if they're getting a few hundred You're just going to blend in if you like it. But if you leave a comment, they're going to see that you left the comment. And if they engage with you again and again, a relationship is in the process of being built. And then you come up to them with an established show, hopefully with at least 50 episodes. I had the blog and other stuff going for me before I launched my show. So I was able to get people like Neil Patel, Seth Godin relatively early. 
But when you do approach people you already know because you built the relationships, it does increase your chances of getting those types of people on the show. And then to like have those types of people on the show, it sparks intrigue and more people want to be associated with those people. Yeah, I've done that a bit too, like commented on on different people's posts and just kind of started a, a conversation with them. And I, I've noticed that that does open doors. And then like you said, as you get more guests, like noticeable names, bigger names, then even bigger names will, you know, it's just it kind of snowballs, I guess you could say. So one thing I really like about your show, Breakthrough Success, which I'm not sure if I had mentioned that yet, is that you're a really good interviewer. I enjoy the conversational style that you have with your guests and how you're able to, you know, like maybe they'll say something and then you'll come in with kind of your spin on it or opinion or kind of just furthering what they said, basically. And then you ask great questions and all of that. So are these things that you have been trained on or educate on, like researched and whatnot, or is it just more of a natural thing for you? The only reason I'd say it's natural now is just because of the sheer volume of interviews. Like if you listen to my episode one, it doesn't sound like that. And at the beginning, you want to prepare, you want to have all the questions written out because the big fear, it's your first time doing an interview or your first few times. You want to make sure you don't run out of questions to ask in the conversation. But what's been working for me now is less preparation. All I do now is I just have the introduction for the guests that they almost always provide for me through acuity and I have the topic and then I just run with it. And when you do it that way with no prep, you don't know what the next question is going to be. You have to listen to the guest. Sometimes what new hosts will do is they'll like sort of listen, but they'll more think about how to ask their next question that they have. Like they ask question number one. So now question number two has to be next no matter what. But when you don't have those questions, it forces you to find the question within what your guest is saying. Yeah, and I find that you do a, a great job of that. And I love listening to your show. Have you done any solo episodes? I don't remember. I recently started Solo Saturdays. It's going to be a weekly oh. series, like five to 10 minutes. So have you found that like as far as either downloads or just interaction with listeners that it higher or lower with a solo show versus an interview because i mean i don't know i've heard that people say oh well you shouldn't just do all interviews because then the guest is shining and you aren't shining at all really and all that stuff i think on your interviews though you do shine half the time and then your guest shines half the time because there's the good balancing there but I think for a lot of people, though, their guests probably are the ones shining. And then so it's like the listeners connecting with the guests more than the host. And so some people think that you either shouldn't have an interview show or you should do like half and half. What is your opinion on that? And what have you seen? I like to do a mix. So most of my shows are interview style. And then I do have the solo Saturday, the interviews it's the networking. It's like podcasting is like the only, I don't know if this is true for you, but like it's the only line of work where you really do get to interact with people while working. Like I'm not interacting with anyone when I write a book. I'm not interacting with anyone when I'm doing a YouTube video, unless it's a live podcasting is one of the ways you get that interaction. And then each person who's on your show is going to share the episode. You've got thousands of people sharing your content in the span of years based on how many interviews you do. The solo episodes, they do allow you to shine a little bit more. You could also better direct 
50 episodes around stuff you're doing. So when you have someone on, like we're talking about podcasting, self-publishing, we're talking about that right now. That's the wheelhouse of the conversation. But you in the solo episodes could talk about topics that lead up to your offers, that lead up to a product launch that you are planning. So there's a little bit more control in how you use the episodes to introduce certain things and lead people in a certain direction. Like for my content, sometimes I'll try something different and it won't work. And part of that is because I didn't warm people up to the concept yet. So the solo episodes, they give you a lot more flexibility in what you cover and also what types, like the monetization piece of podcasting. And do you monetize your podcast or what ways do you monetize? So some of the listeners become clients, some of the guests become clients who do have traditional sponsors as well. So I think some people, they'll focus more on one side than on the other, but you can leverage multiple angles, multiple income streams just from a single podcast. And if you get that right and you feel like you can do it without going crazy, why not do another podcast? I have three right now and I enjoyed the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other two, is it the profitable public speaking and ditch the job? Yes, those are them. Okay. okay. I haven't listened to those yet, but I should. So you do self-publishing. Before we started here, you said that you have like 30 books. Yeah. How long does it take you to write a book? I only have, well, I'm working on my third one right now, and I don't know how you could do 30. <laughs> so uh, every single book, you love it when you start it. You just want to get the thing over with towards the end. The way I get the books done is I only go for 15,000 words around that range for my books. So we're not talking novels or anything like that. And with 15,000 words as a target, it's only 1,000 words each day. So with that in mind, 15 days, sometimes 20 days because I want to do 20,000 words. But it's just thinking in terms of word count and then filling out up the pages. It's easier to do it this way of nonfiction rather than fiction because fiction, you really have to think about plot. You have to think about character development and stuff like that. But I focus on nonfiction. So that's been the strategy that has worked for me so far. Yeah, the books I have are around 10,000 words. So, well, I guess technically yours are 50% longer than mine, but <laughs> kind of in that same range, though. What is your favorite book that you've read or or even maybe the best-selling book? Of mine or like of an author that I like? Well, I guess we could do, I meant of yours, but yeah, we could do both. I mean, I like all the books I've written. The two books that have done really well, I, he I hear a lot of people say, I really enjoy these books. They've had a big impact on me. Content Marketing Secrets, Podcast Domination, YouTube Decoded. Those are actually, I think I said two earlier. Those are the three that I, I've just heard the most positive engagement with overall. YouTube Decoded, I did do a book signing. So that one I'll always keep in mind. And book that I've enjoyed by some other author, The Compound Effect, Darren Hardy. One of the best books I recommended on almost every show where they ask me that question. It really puts into perspective what each day leads up to in the context of like one year later, two years later, and so on. Oh, that's interesting. I've heard of the book, but I, I haven't read it yet. I read a lot though. So I'm sure I'll add that to my Amazon save for later. Because I, <laughs> I have all your books on there as well as like a hundred others. You had mentioned the YouTube decoded book. I know you have a lot of YouTube videos. Do you find that YouTube or podcasting 
yields better results mm-hmm. as far as views, downloads, interaction, clients. Both of them do good in their own ways. I mean, YouTube, the thing I love about them a lot more than podcasting is that the data is so much better. You get to see click-through rate. You get to see retention rate. You get to see what keywords people are finding you for. Those are things that aren't you don't really see those in your podcast analytics. So YouTube analytics just blows the podcasting analytics away. With podcasting, the ability to interact with people through interviews one-on-one, although you could do the same exact thing on YouTube. Some people, they just take the video versions of their podcast episodes and that is all their YouTube channel is. So I'd say each one does have its strengths and weaknesses. I don't think it would be good to only be on one of those platforms, especially with how easy it is to repurpose. So like a podcast interview, again, could be a YouTube video. A solo YouTube video, that could be your solo episode if you don't want to produce a custom episode like I do for my solo Saturdays. So then do you do, when you do a podcast interview, do you do it for YouTube and then take the audio from YouTube into a podcast, like repurpose it that way? Or do you not do interviews on YouTube? You just do your own videos. I used to do my own interviews on YouTube and just publish like the podcast video I rather right now for my YouTube just post content where it's just me because I do get more control over the topics. With podcasting, you publish in the order of when the interviews are done, or maybe it's slightly different based on who did a sponsorship or whatever. But generally, you sometimes get a little bit broad with a podcast, especially one like Breakthrough Success, where it's just, you know, we teach you how to grow a business and achieve your goals. So there's a lot of different topics that could go there. But YouTube, I like to keep it to a select few topics to just focus in on a few areas. Yeah, I've been watching some of them lately, like the the ones about Udemy and I'm trying to remember what the other ones are that I think I commented on one this week. I don't remember <laughs> which one it was now, but yeah, it's definitely interesting topics. So how do you find the time to do all this? Because you've got the YouTube channel, the three podcasts, 30 books. So is this what you do full time is all of this stuff? Or do you have like a day job? No, I I do this full time. So that definitely is part of how I find a time to do this. It's also canceling a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. I don't watch TV or do any of that type of stuff. And when I am working, I do more of like, I don't do 10 hour days. I'll do like the very concentrated six hours. Because I'd rather do quality and get results versus quantity of hours and not really have anything to show for it. So when I do put in the hours, a lot of it is batching. So Mondays and Thursdays are my interview days. There are a lot of additional interview days during virtual summit planning, but mostly just Monday, Thursday. And then I just do one to two days a week where I'm actually doing new videos because I just need three new videos each week. Sometimes I stretch that to four or five, but it's just batching for me. For some stuff has worked really well and then doing other stuff daily. And each person's different. Each week I'm different and I just keep playing to what works the best. Yeah, you just mentioned virtual summits. That was something I was curious about. How many have you planned now and what is that process like? That is, it's really, it's a great business model. You get to grow your email list very quickly. It does depend on the speakers you have because you want the speakers to promote the summit. That's how you grow your email list, make 
considerable revenue from it, but it's pretty much like a podcast where instead of launching two, three episodes at launch, you launch like 50 episodes because you do that many interviews with different speakers. And you get people to join the summit by providing their email address. So you have them on your list, even if they don't buy anything, you lead them to like get the all access pass or get the lifetime pass, depending on what you want to call it. So instead of only having 24 hour access to sessions, you get lifetime access. And then an upsell at the end, maybe a training course, maybe a done for you service, whatever you choose to have. But I think if you are really comfortable with podcasting, you should definitely consider virtual summits because it's just a bunch of interviews and you want to add some different stuff from time to time. Maybe someone does a presentation, you spice things up. So it's not just entirely interview, but the bulk of it is interview and podcasters really do have a good advantage when it comes to organizing them. Wow. That's so basically, okay. So it's like you're recording a bunch of podcast interviews with video, I guess. And then now are you having to pay the speakers? I assume not in that since it's okay. And then they probably all promote it to their social media or email list. And so, wow. Yeah. That would be quick exposure. So there really isn't an upfront cost then to, well, I mean, I guess maybe whatever platform. Like just tools, like affiliate links. I use Thrivecart for that. I use Optimized Press, my website setup. You could use something different if something else makes sense for you, but that's my current setup. Okay. So yeah, not much expense. And then people pay to watch the, the videos and whatnot. That's interesting. How did you even get the idea to do that? And and how did you throw it all together on your own? I've thrown all the summits I've done together on my own, except for one that I'm doing right now in, part, in a partnership. But other than that, I've done them on my own. I just came across virtual summits. I'm not sure like how I came across them or like how the conversation started. But once I saw this and I was enjoying the podcast, and I was like, this is the next avenue I have to pursue. And I've been very happy with it ever since. Wow. Yeah. And especially with this day and age where everything's virtual now, I imagine that actually, that could be a good business model for like if someone, that's all they did. Interesting. I'm going to have to look into that. (laughs) And I know you were at a new media summit at one point. Is that correct? And the way that works, as I understand it, is a bunch of people coming together to basically pitch their podcast to either or pitch themselves, I guess, to be on other podcasts and vice versa. That's exactly how it works. Okay. That's Steve Ulsher? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I love his uh, podcast magazine and just everything he's doing. Yeah. yeah he's doing a lot of good stuff. I did his um five day what is it five days five podcasts in five days or whatever that course I don't know if you've heard of it but so do you do any courses too Yeah I have a bunch of courses on Udemy and Skillshare that I don't really promote too much anymore I'd rather use those for passive income Content Marketing Plaza that's my main course contentmarketingplaza.com it goes into how to build a successful content brand everything from create content to promote and monetize And I keep creating courses based on what people want. And I've slowed that down a little bit lately, just so I can get a lot more metrics and engagement to like at this stage, I want to create, I want to only create a big course that's going to be a big hit because I've created a lot of the Udemy Skillshare courses already that they do well and they continue to do passive income for me. 
but the next courses I create will be more towards that big course, big hit type of setup. Yeah. So I guess that's how you have like a hundred thousand students or is it all on Udemy? Yeah. That's an Udemy metric. Oh, is it's Udemy? I always say Udemy. I don't know. Udemy. I don't know either. Who knows? I'm actually in the process of creating a course myself and I'm trying to decide whether to do it on my own, like host it on my website or maybe do like Thinkific or something in charge, whatever I want, or to do Udemy, which I mean, you're getting a lot more exposure that way because it's yeah. a marketplace. You're but- getting more exposure. You do have less control over how you can interact with your students. So Udemy and Skill and Udemy and Skillshare are both great if you're just getting started out. If you already have a base, if you already have a solid audience that's buying stuff from you, I would recommend like something like a Teachable. Yeah, because with Udemy, the thing that I keep hearing people say is that you have good exposure because it's a marketplace. Anyone can find your course and, and sign up, but that you're only getting like 10 bucks sometimes or something. Yeah, no one buys the full price. You might as well, whatever... Even if it's just like a 30 minute course, make it 199. People aren't going to buy for 10. And then you see like save $190. Like no one ever buys the courses their full price. So maybe put short courses on there. Yeah. Yeah. Short courses. Okay. That's maybe that's what I'll do then. Well, I appreciate your time today. We've gone over so much in such a short period of time. We've gone over self-publishing, podcasting, YouTubing. Is YouTubing a word? It is now. And (laughs) course creation, virtual summits. Wow, that was a lot to go over in such a short period of time. Well, I appreciate it. Was there anything else that you wanted to tell the listeners? Breakthrough Success is the name of my show. Sarah was a guest on it. We talked about being frugal. How can we build the online business on a budget? Depending on when this episode is published, that episode may or may not come out. So if you do see my episode with Sarah, definitely go watch it and listen to it. If not, just know that it is coming on the way and Breakthrough Success. That's the place where you guys go to check me out. Any podcast app and my main website is markroberta.com. Okay. Yeah. And I also have show notes at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Mark. And that's Mark with a C, M-A-R-C. All right. Well, I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.